0: A little taller, yeah. So a couple weeks ago, Bob uh, started out in the book of Acts talking about the big overview, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. You know, so he's coming in power to empower us to do what he wants us to do. So the question is, what does he want us to do? And it's going to be different for you Then for me, then it was for Peter, James, and John. Um, Then last week, Paul talked about some of what was going on. You know, the Holy Spirit's at power working, and there was evil spirits, powerful evil spirits working. And that hasn't changed. You know, as you're doing what God calls you to do, there's opposition. You can bank on that. If there's not, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do fully enough. Um, But the Holy Spirit is infinitely more powerful than those evil spirits. They harass. They threaten. They torment. They mess with your mind, mess with your body. But the Holy Spirit's got you. He'll get you where he needs you. So we saw examples of power encounters last week. And... They happen. But you know what the main power encounter is in spiritual warfare? How do I stay in a place where I love God, love people around me, and want to do what God calls me to do, and fight against sin with all my might? There's a, you know, that's, that's the main war that's happening. There are some crazy landmine explosives that go off from time to time. But the main meat and potatoes of spiritual warfare is love God, Love your neighbor. Stop sinning. You know. So if we can get there, the Holy Spirit's at work in us big time. Um, now today we kind of want to just kind of, we had an overview on a Paul Anderson classic fly over, pick from here, pick from there, pick from there, pick from there message. And now we kind of want to start working our way through the book a little. So kind of the first big theme we hit is the ascension of Jesus. And Jesus really used to be on this earth as a man, and right now he's not, and soon he'll be back. So in the meantime, he's gone, and we kind of got to deal with that. When he was here, he set up his kingdom. You know, He started destroying the works of the devil. He died and rose again, ushered in his kingdom fully, but not in fullness. You know, the fullness of the kingdom has not yet come. It's here already. It has not yet come. So in the meantime, we're living in the kingdom that's ushered in, but it's not here. You know, we still have all this mess around us, all this mess in us, and God doesn't want it like that. He wants to change that, but he's patient. He's waiting. He has a purpose for this in-between time. If it was up to me, There'd be no in-between time. We'd all be fully partying in heaven right now. So last week Paul said, hey, life ain't a picnic. It's a war. You're absolutely right. And let me put a little slant on that analogy, which came to me at the KFC buffet last week. Um, <laughs> life is absolutely a war. But I've heard from soldiers who are in Iraq, you know, that's heavy stuff. And you know what they did? Some tough, crazy, intense stuff. And a lot of ping pong and a lot of video games. So we're in a war. I mean, it's thick out there with spiritual warfare. We're not at a picnic. But we do enjoy the mess hall. We do enjoy hanging out with our fellow soldiers and playing ping pong and whatever that might look like in your life. And we know the deep camaraderie of, hey, here's the people I'm in this war with. There's something deep there that's way better than a picnic. So life's no picnic. It's a war, but it's a war we're guaranteed to win. We can't lose. We might get injured horribly bad and sent back to the medic's office for a while, but we cannot lose this war. So that's very encouraging. So while we're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom and we're fighting hard, we're secure. Uh, So why don't we got a couple scribes here I don't know who's all bringing it when but we got a few things we want (laughs) to hear probably and did I give you the list good all right so why don't you read that first part there Okay, so Jesus' followers were very eager. Hey, is this the time? We've been waiting. We've heard all this stuff about the Messiah raising up Israel. How about now? And Jesus you know, he's going to answer that. But first of all, let's just think about us. Are we that eager for his kingdom to be restored as those early followers were for their interpretation, their understanding of it? Because what we're getting is a lot better than what they were promised all throughout the Old Testament. And man, that was their life. You know, there are people hanging out, Simeon or whatever, Anna, the prophetess, hanging out in the temple day and night just waiting. Man, when's God going to f- come through on what he's promised? So, how eager are we to see Jesus come and set up the fullness of his kingdom? Now, notice, you know, from their vantage point, it was kind of an earthly thing, right? The restoration of Israel, you know, we get uh, kind of a lot of Christian nationalism, which isn't a good thing. Um, Christians transforming a nation is an awesome thing, you know, with the principles of God's kingdom and focusing on there, and the after effect being what happens in America, or Israel, or China. Um, but Jesus doesn't rebuke them saying, come on guys, why are you focusing on an earthly kingdom? There's so much better that's going on here. Uh, you should be concerned about spiritual things. You know, the kingdom of God is real life. When Jesus sets up his kingdom, we're going to work, we're going to play, we're going to eat. And quite frankly, eating sounds pretty good right now because I had half of a tooth fall out on Monday. And it's been tough. I jammed a little sugar-free gum down in that crevice today because, uh, you know, that chewing, swallowing, saying an S sound—there's uh, there's some intense rubbing on that tongue that is not too pleasant. So, but you know what? That's all hard and tough. But it's good that we experience those difficulties and setbacks so we can say, you know what? The day is coming when I'm gonna have probably gallons of pink lemonade at my disposal, and no tooth troubles from it. You know, I, I had to become more Christian now when I go out with people and they want to meet at uh, you know, Maxwell's, the old bar where young Christians go, because uh, it is okay to have a beverage here and there. In the past, I'd always just get pink lemonade. And as a matter of fact, I used to walk in and a cute waitress would bring it without a word being said. I was like, that's pretty cool. But I had to get more sanctified after I had some tooth pain last spring. So now I have to get a whiskey sour when I go there. So hopefully, hopefully no one will judge me on that account. But, uh, but I want the pink lemonade back. Um. <laughs> so Jesus did not rebuke them for their lack of spirituality and focusing on what they see around them. What he did, though, is he reminded them. He says, you know what? Your father's in control. The father's got the times fixed by his authority. That's enough. All right. Just know that. And they, they should know that. I'm sure they did know that. These guys love their Bibles. They're probably hanging on the prophetic word more than we were. Uh, so a couple things they would have heard from the prophet Daniel we'll hear right now.
1: Daniel 4:34 through 35 And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are refuted as nothing he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth no one can restrain his hand or say to him what have you done
0: so daniel knew how sovereign god was that he's over and above all these kings all these nations all this tumult and turning hopefully we know that now because our world's a lot like that as well um And what that caused Daniel to do in Nebuchadnezzar, whatever state he happened to be in for the duration of his life, I don't know. But he at least had some glimpses of who God is and how he should respond. So what that did to these people is, man, if God is that has that much dominion over the world, you know what that does in me? It makes me erupt into blessing. Bless the name of the Lord is what comes up in there. You know, Nate was talking earlier, you know, David, great man after God's heart. He had to remind himself to bless God because there's a lot of reasons, it seems, to not do it. But there's one great reason to always bless the name of the Lord. He's ruling over the nations, bringing about his purposes, you know, raising people up, bringing people down. Um, And he's our Father, you know. It's your Father who's setting these times. That's a really good thing to know him like that. So, Daniel, when he was blessing God like that, wasn't experiencing the raising up, he was in captivity. He could have been full of bitterness and doubt. Come on, God. If you're so strong, why don't you fix this? You made a promise. You said you'd get us out of here. When's it going to happen? But instead he says, I'm going to bless God. So how about us? You know, when our life circumstances aren't where we want them to be, where God's prophetically promised them to be, are we going to be questioning and complaining, despairing, Self-pitying, don't let him in. He's got some bad acquaintances too, right? Um, or are we going to say, you know what, I don't get it. I don't understand your ways, but I bless your name because I know who you are. I see what you've promised. I feel your presence in me. That's enough. But thankfully, God never leaves us at that's enough. Jesus could have said to his followers, God's in control, so be quiet. We're moving on. But thankfully, he didn't. You know, he, uh, he instead speaks to them concerning their immediate need at hand, probably not telling them 20 years down the future, but what's coming right down the pipe here. So remember, God's in control, and good news, he's going to send his spirit, and then you're going to do what I've called you to do. You don't need to worry about when I'm going to wrap up the kingdom. You get engaged with what I want you to do in two weeks. You know that, That's where God is at. Um, so, yeah, so you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses. That's what was coming. That's what Jesus wanted them to know. So he spoke into their right upcoming current situation and makes me wonder where in our lives might God really want to start speaking to us about our current or next season. Now, what about revival? Hopefully so. We believe so. Let's make sure we're ready for it. You know, uh, know who God is, have his presence at work in us so that when the next season comes, we can take our part in it like Jesus' followers here were able to do. It's only going to come through the fullness of the Spirit at work in us. So, Jesus says to them, they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them but it's not daddy's credit card to go to the mall. You know, it's the power of the Holy Spirit is for the purposes of the Father. It's not a show. You know, we saw power encounters last week. Uh, Bar Jesus thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Why don't you give me this power? I could make a name for myself, probably make a few bucks. God won't honor that. You know, that did not go well for him. He would have been a lot better off staying where he was and not trying to pimp the power of God like that. Or the sons of Siva. Wow, man, look at that. Paul's casting out demons. That's awesome. Our dad's religious. Why don't we get in on this? They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't know God like that. They, you can't secondhand get a hold of God's power. It comes because he is in you. That didn't finish well for them either, right? They got whooped. you know. So people try and uh, latch on to God's power, without being connected to God's person and his purposes, will suffer bad things. You know? So let's make sure we're not going to go there. So, so what is the purpose that God's about with sending his Spirit? Because I mean, what a great thing. The very presence of Jesus living in us, empowering us to do things we can't do, enabling us to do supernatural things, changing the way we think, feel, and respond to every circumstance that comes across us in our life, uniting us in deep, loving relationships with those around us, Given us the ability to love those who are completely unlovable. Well, what's all that about? Um, And, you know, we see here in Acts that Jesus says it's the reason the Holy Spirit's in you so you can be my witness. Now, not simply a witness in court who's going to describe the facts. Yep, saw that car scene, this one came that way, he didn't yield, they crashed, blah, blah, blah. There it is. All right, make your proper decision from that. The apostles were witnesses of the fact that Jesus lived, was God, died, and rose again, now ascended. But they're a lot more than that. They're witnesses to beholding his glory. You know, if facts about Jesus are true. Hearts ravaged by the beauty of the person behind those facts is what God's after. And once again, that's right in line with what he's always been about, right? The prophet Habakkuk Um said the earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's not really interested in a message getting out there as he is about people coming into the enjoyment of the knowledge of him. So that's what we're called to witness to. Look how beautiful Jesus is. Look how powerful he is. Look how tender he is. Look how... The universe exists by him, through him and for him, and he 's offering you to come in on that and that 's what we 're supposed to be witnessing to so evangelize, please, 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 but make sure you 're telling them why why are you what are you inviting them to you know we 're not just trying to make sure Andrew has to snuggle a little closer to Levi get another few seat, seats taken on our couches here I mean we want, we want to get people into the real deal um so, you know, kind of align with that, let's also just make sure, you know, what God is always doing at any given time, it's always going to be in line with what he's revealed in the scripture. So when revival hits, if there's a little piece of it that looks like, ah, I don't really think, well, then let's not go there, you know, because that's not God's heart. That's not his plan. So we don't need a cool new revelation. We need to get our hearts in line with what God has always been passionate about, and then we can't lose. You know, he'll he'll guide us at that point then. So spirit filled, empowered witnesses being sent out, and kind of your classic Great Commission, you know, go into Jerusalem. You know, we're gonna go into all the world, but for everyone it's gonna start in Jerusalem. Right where you're at. God has you right where He wants you. So start there. Then for some. Their sphere will expand into Judea. You know, Jerusalem was the big city. But there's natural affiliation, affinity, opportunity in the near life experiences. So let's be open to where's our Judea? Where might God want to move me in the next month and the next year, which doesn't change my life much, but man, it could bear fruit. Then some, all right, guys, time to get up, time to leave Jerusalem. Time to go to Samaria. Oh gosh. Those people? You don't like them. You know, maybe read Somalia. In this case, uh, you know, it's the people who are around you. They're different. It might be difficult. But God wants to send you. He's got you fully empowered by His Spirit. But don't, don't go to Samaria, because that would be the great Christian thing to do. No, 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 no. Listen to His Spirit. Jerusalem and Judea are great places for us to stay. There's nothing wrong with working your job, coming to church on Sunday, being filled with God's Spirit, and taking the opportunities he gives you here and there. Don't go to the pumpkin patch outreach because, oh yeah, those those inner city kids, That's my that's Samaria, I'm obligated, God needs me. No, he doesn't. Samaria will come in all of our lives, but let's listen to him for when it's the right time. Because otherwise... You got people attempting things that God's not really in. And you know, from my experience, that seldom goes well. And that's probably not the way to get those kids into the kingdom and experience the beauty of God. But probably a couple of you should be on that pumpkin outreach, and we'll let God sort that out. Um, and others are called to be a witness to the ends of the earth. You know, some of us, I hope, someone in this room before their life's done says, yeah, you know what? America is awesome the life we live there, the freedoms we have. But I'm going to leave it because God's calling me elsewhere. There's people on the other side of the world who don't have Christians around them. How are they going to hear unless someone's sent, you know? So hopefully somebody's going to say, yeah, man, God's leading me to pack it all up, ship it on out, and bring the message of the beauty and glory of Christ to those who would never have a chance otherwise. And some are going to be called to be witnesses as martyrs. You know, those old Greek words. I'm sure Rob could spout it off for us here. Yeah, that, that word for witness, it sounds a lot like martyr, and there's a reason. The early church, to be witness to Jesus, you expected it. There's no guarantee, but you say, it's probably going to cost me my life. And you you weigh that On the front side, you know, those uh, people in Oregon who got killed, presumably because, well, because this dude's nuts and demonically influenced, but why them in particular sounds like because they were Christians. You know, they didn't wake up that morning and make a choice, I'm going to go to school today. I'm probably some crazed lunatic's going to point a gun at my head and ask me if I'm a Christian. What will I say? You know, I mean, that's got to just be a front-end decision. Jesus, you're it, period. I'm in with you. You're in charge. You know, hopefully that's never going to be the case. But, you know, should that come? That decision's already been made. You know, don't don't try and make that when the gun's pointing at you. I mean, that's got to be front-end stuff. What can we surrender? Well, how about everything, you know? You're you're everything to me, whatever you ask for. You've got your reasons. I don't understand them, but I'll give it all. And martyrdom's kind of the easy way out, you know? A one-time sacrifice for Jesus, it's really tough. You know, it's harder staying alive for another 50 years and day after day, moment after moment making the sacrifices of love and giving of yourselves for others who are ungrateful and you're not seeing the results that you want and You're struggling with your own sin and how that's messing up with your ability to do that. So, I mean, if you get a gun pointed at your head, God's being merciful in some ways because you don't have to give up as much that way, you know. Um, But Jesus talked about the cost and the rewards of whatever we give up from him in Mark 10, which we'll hear now. So there's no room for self-pity in suffering for Jesus in the gospel, right? It's part of the deal. He says it's going to come with persecutions. But the reason there's no self-pity is it comes with a whole lot more than that. I mean, you give up houses, land, relationships. You get back not just reward in the age to come, You get so much more now. Think of the relationships that really mean something to you. What are they about? They're probably people you're united with in a cause for God, you know, Um, because it it gets kind of empty otherwise. So we're getting a whole lot now, just the the fellowship of God and doing what he wants us to do and the fellowship of others and him looking out for us. You give up you know, whatever, and you follow God, and then boom, that next physical need you have, he provides it, you know. I prayed Wednesday for a blender because of my tooth situation. I was like, oh, this eating's for the birds, you know, if I could just <laughs> get some berries and bananas and whatnot mashed up, that'd be kind of fun, enjoyable, I don't know, we'll see. So I'd, I'd like a blender. And sure enough, by the end of the night, I had not just one blender, but also a borrowed blender of a really nice one, which I then returned. Um, so God's looking out for us. Um, he's given us plenty now and in the age to come, eternal life. And we get the real deal. Whatever we give up, however hard our lot in life might be, the kingdom's coming. The king's coming. It's going to be awesome. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Um. Now these witnesses, you know, like Peter and John and the guys, you know, that, that one time they're with Jesus and they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, we'll, we'll do this." And uh, well, what, what, what about him? You know, and Jesus is like, "Hey, if John, I want him alive until I come back. What's that to you?" You know. Um, too often, I think we get in the place like, "Well, here's the way I'm doing it. Why not you?" Because God's bigger than that. You know, not everyone needs to be a witness the way you think it should be done. The Spirit in his way will move people to join the Father's purpose of exalting Jesus. You know, that's what it's all about. He knows how to bring that about. So don't get upset when people don't join you in your thing. Just make sure you're joining God in his thing and then rejoice in their part as well. Uh, so we've kind of talked about this. You know, The reason we're Jesus' witnesses is because he's not here right now. You know, he's, in John 16, he said, uh, I'm going back to the Father and that's better for you. It's better that I go away, that the Spirit comes. Because if he stays, there's one Jesus in one place at one time, doing awesome things. But if he goes, and his Spirit is now in millions, a couple billion people, and that can really revolutionize the world in a much better way. So we're, we're better off without him here. But here's where truth gets tricky betters we always got to remember it's not best to be without him here best is as we get fully transformed into the image of christ we get fully absorbed into the godhead the fellowship of the of the godhead but we never become god and we are in perfect fellowship with him that's the best and jesus is right there in our presence forever so We've got to remember there's always levels. You know, like Paul you know, in Philippians and in 2 Corinthians 5, he's saying, like, yeah, I desire to depart and be with Christ. That would be better by far. You know, he, he knew Jesus well enough. He longed for him enough. He said, man, if I died and got out of here, that would be way better. But he says in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, it would be better yet. Some people, I think, get confused and think, well, What it would be better yet would be staying alive until he comes back. That's not what he's saying, I strongly think. I think what he's saying is it would be better yet would be to be further clothed, overclothed in an instant. Like, if right now I had the choice to get with him without dying, well, obviously I would take that approach, you know. Just get overclothed with my resurrection body and all the glories of heaven right now. Let's do that. But being with Jesus is better going with him right now than in staying alive until he returns, you know. And hopefully... God's spirit is starting to work that in us so that we can actually feel that that you know he's everything. Period. Life is awesome. But man if I could trade it all for him, that's a no-brainer, you know? Um so Jesus will return. Bank on that. Let's live our lives in light of that. So it should create a desire to witness with our mouth, but also to live a life that's a witness and Just some ways I see in the scriptures, um, because Jesus will return, we can. Now, here's another very important subtlety. Don't hear this list as a legalistic burden. Oh, look at all that Jesus has done for you. Now it's, come on, man, let's buck up and do your part. He don't need that. Let's hear it like this. Because God is sovereign over history, Because Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and rose and ascended for you and is interceding for you right now, because he sent his spirit to live in you, to transform you, to make you like him, let's receive some gospel encouragement to what we can and will be transformed into little by little in this life, maybe big by big. Let's always be open to that. I don't like it. I think there's a demonic deception in a lot of the church in America that says, Uh, Romans 6, Romans 7, that's true stuff, man. We just got to slog it out with sin, you know. Yeah, I am a child of God. I'm saved by grace. Thank God for his grace because, man, do I mess up all the time. And I'm just going to fight this fight until the end. And somehow God's going to pull me out. Romans 8 is the answer to Romans 6. (laughs) If you walk in the spirit, you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh, you know. Uh, God did what the law could not do, you know, enabling us to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. You know, if you're dead to sin, how can you live in it? Well, you can't. You know, so let's never give ourselves more credit than should be there. Temptation's always going to be there. I think I'm going to stumble many times in the rest of my journey, but you know what? God's spirit's in me. I plan on triumphing a whole bunch over sin. Uh, And the parable of the sower, you know, in light of Jesus' return, we want to bear much fruit, 30, 60, hopefully 100-fold. But in the parable of the sower, why didn't fruit happen? The troubles of the world, people get consumed by that stuff. So if we're consumed with the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, fruit's not going to happen in us, all right? So we need to be in a place where, yeah, there's constantly... Cars break down, jobs go awry, relationships are tense and intense, and that all takes its toll, but I can't focus there. Money its great. It's deceitful, man. If we're setting our heart on that at all, we're not going to bear fruit, and we won't even make it into the kingdom. And the desire for other things, other things are awesome. God wants us to enjoy them. He richly gives us all things to enjoy, but if it's gotta come secondarily from first I want you period once that's secured now I'll receive every blessing you've got for me with thanksgiving and I'll enjoy it way more than the non-believers down the street but if we're focusing on those things the fruit's not going to be there Uh, because Jesus will return we can be the wise virgins from the parable who won't be caught off guard you know I don't think about his return very often hopefully I'll start to do it more but hopefully that when I'm kind of surprised if it should happen today, I'm ready. I'm one of the wise virgins. Uh, because he will return, we can abide in him from 1 John 2 so that we can be confident at his coming. You know, if we're in his presence now, when he comes physically, it's not going to change that much. So we're not going to shrink back in fear like 1 John says. We're going to be confident. Uh because Jesus will return, you can change our outlook on things, right? Uh, Paul alluded to this verse earlier, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then same kind of thing from 1 Peter, talking about seeing Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So our, our spiritual seeing of Jesus now, knowing that we're going to see him with our physical eyes soon, Changes the way we endure, right? We we realize that, man, whatever I endure might be 80 years, but that's a really little time. It might be insanely heavy to the point where I don't think I can handle it. That's incredibly light because we see something with our spiritual reality eyes. And we don't just endure, we rejoice with joy inexpressible because I know him. He's coming. He's in me. So... While we're seeking to be witnesses for Jesus, we're going to come into many situations where we're going to need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' first followers ran right into this after he left. They realized, hey, Judas Iscariot was an apostle. That didn't go too well. Okay, we need to replace this guy. Um, How did they come to the realization? Um, Maybe if you guys quickly read that last part of Acts, and I'll wrap it up in about two minutes.
1: Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in the midst of and in those days, uh, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples all together. The number of names it was about hundred and twenty, and said, "Men and brethren." This scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, Akal Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, uh, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen, to take part in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, and that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he
0: was numbered with the eleven apostles. So they, they realize they have a, a need. They have something they have to do. And how do they get to that realization? Well, I see three things. They're in unity. That's so important. You know. God likes to guide us individually, but when corporately we're united, I think he in- gives us a lot more clarity usually. They were devoted to prayer. You know, God is the leader and the guider, but I think he likes to do it a lot more when we're in communion with him and we're seeking his input. And then it came from knowledge of the Scripture. You know, God absolutely prophetically guides and guides through words of knowledge and wisdom and guides through just random uh, decision-making and opportunities come across their paths. But it gives a lot of guidance in here. These guys knew the Scripture, and we heard how David said. That's part of the reason they made their decision, what David wrote a 1,000 years ago. And they knew what Jesus said to them in John 15. He says, when the Helper comes... You will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. So what was one of their criterias? Who should be this next apostle? Someone's been with us from the beginning because God said things. They need to know those things, base their decisions on them. So that's how they realized. Then how was the situation resolved? Well, wisdom. They knew the criteria for, what, what, for an apostle. Then they actually took action. They didn't make a definitive step, but they did something. All right, God, we have a problem. We don't know what to do. But from our best uh, thoughts, from everything we know, let's single out these two guys over here. That's the action we'll take. Then they prayed in faith. They said, God, you know, and God, you show. You know, We don't know what to do here. So praying in faith isn't simply mustering up enough force to get what you want because I believe it hard enough. It's it's saying, God, you know what to do. And my faith says, I believe that you're going to show me because I know your heart. I know you're good. I know you're trustworthy. I know you care. Now, we definitely need to bang on the door, ask, seek, knock, bug him at midnight, cry out like the widow to the unjust judge. Absolutely. But let's just remember that praying in faith isn't how much we muster up. It's how much we know who he is. And then the last thing they did, they cast lots. So here's kind of the big dramatic finish when I just say, those other three make a whole lot of sense to me. The last one catches me a little <laughs> i don 't know what role should that play in a in a christian's life? I am not sure, but let's let 's be open to it at the very least and pray for god's wisdom um, So not much of a big dramatic finish there, but maybe just as we're moving to groups um some just three kind of questions I thought, and obviously wherever god's leading you is awesome um does your heart need help to seek the unseen kingdom of God and treasure it? I mean, that's kind of step one for Christian experience. Then once we're there, and whenever there fully, but as we're in that spot, is there an area of witness you desire the power of the Spirit for? Or, finally, is there a decision or situation you need the guidance of the Spirit for? So that's kind of real-life stuff, um, so maybe it's good time to... Get with a couple of few people and just see what God has for you. Yes. does your heart need help to seek the unseen kingdom and treasure it? Number two, is there an area of witness you desire the power of the spirit for? And number three, is there a decision or situation you need the guidance of the spirit for? Yeah, um, just in light of Jesus wants you to be a witness, he's giving you the Holy Spirit to do it, um, is there kind of something you feel like, yeah, I feel like God wants me to fill in the blank. I just I don't feel capable. I don't feel strong enough. I'm scared. Um, and prayer might be what God would use to push someone over the edge in that hurdle.